Well, we are uh, doing a series as we start this year called Fight to Win. And the big idea there is I, as your pastor, I want to help you win the most important battles of your life this year in 2023. I don't want us as a church to come to the end of this year and say, man, I did a lot of stuff, but I didn't really do much stuff that actually mattered, right? I want to help us focus in on what matters the most and come to the end of this year saying, man, I grew as a person. I saw fruit in the areas that it counts. I saw transformation in the areas that it counts. I impacted the lives of others because our, our, our mission as a church is, is to raise up, transform followers of Jesus who love God, love people, and change the world. That's you, and that's you being empowered to go make that impact elsewhere. That's our heartbeat is that we, uh, we want to help you focus in the areas of most to be Jesus' follower and disciple-maker. Now, we've got a number of weeks up here, just so you know where we're going over the next weeks. Um, we're talking this today on busyness versus purpose. I want to help you win the battle of busyness versus purpose. Next week, we're going to talk about the battle between being stuck in life versus free and experience and freedom to do the will of God. And week four, isolation versus the battle between isolation and meaningful connection and meaningful, real, deep relationships in your life that matter. Now, as I start this week, talking about business versus purpose, uh, I, I was thinking of back to my high school days. Hopefully I had some purpose there. Uh, but thinking back to my high school days, and um, you've heard me talk enough if you've been around a while, you know I played a number of sports, things like that. But what some of you might not be aware of is that uh, I and a few of my friends were actually sponsored by a water sports company uh, to make videos for them that sometimes they'd use in their commercials. So we had to sign this little waiver. Um, my parents to here got us some funny story, I'll tell you. you. You have to put up with a lot of my bad decisions uh, early on in life, so thank you. Um, so uh, my dad's birthday, by the way. Happy birthday. <laughs> so this company would send us these new tubes you pull behind a boat, right? Uh, and we would make these videos, and they basically, they didn't pay us, you know, we just had to sign a waiver, and they say, you know, hey, just make videos, and so we got new tubes to do dumb stuff with tubes. We actually called ourselves the Lake Minnetonka Tube Team. It was cool. So now, that tube team didn't last forever, because after a few concussions, including one of my own, we realized that how we were going about life was not quite sustainable, but we went hard. Your main goal was not even to have fun. Your main goal was to hang on. That, that, was, that was what you did. If you could hang on to how we did it, you were good, right? And so I got a little illustration video I thought I'd show you. My friend Mike, uh, and, and, and we got this new tube, it was really wide, and we had a bright idea, which again, my parents put up with a number of my bright ideas. Uh, we thought, hey, it's so wide, if we go fast enough, maybe we can get our buddy Mike up in the air, you know? 
So uh, another one of my buddies worked at a marina, and they said, hey, well, we, we got a boat at the marina. It's got a Corvette engine in it. So let's, let's put Mike behind the boat, and Mike was the kind of guy that's just down for anything. I got a bunch of Mike stories if you ever want them. And, uh, and so we, I'll just show you the video so you can see what happened. Mike's goal was to just hang on. Here we go. There's no audio uh, right now. This is 15 years ago. Uh, so we're going about 40 miles an hour. <laughs> Lake Minnetonka tube team. <laughs> now that we posted that 15 years ago, it went viral for 188,000 views. So it's pretty exciting. Uh, so as you can see, Mike was unable to hang on. The good news is Mike is alive, he's working a meaningful job, uh, and he has a family, and he's okay. But he, we did find him face down in the water. We flipped him over, his eyes rolled back, so we started doing CPR. He came alive. Uh, he came back. He was, not, he was always alive. And I remember, all of a sudden, he used to drink a lot of Diet Coke, and so we're kind of like trying to do CPR on him. All of a sudden, he spits up all this Diet Coke everywhere, and uh, so... Mike is good, but bottom line is, Mike's goal, single-handedly, was to hang on. You just try to make it. You don't even have fun. You just try to make it. And the tube was going faster than he could handle. Now, I don't know if you can pick up where I'm going with this. A lot of times in life, we end up with a goal somehow or another of just hanging on. Now, I think some of us, if we're honest, we've felt that in life. We've, we've moved from a more meaningful goal of having meaningful relationships or, or making an impact or, uh, you know, having friendships that are going to really be deep and meaningful or, or, or really having a deep prayer life or, or, or giving our life to knowing God and somewhere along the way, a few kids later, a few trials later, a few sin struggles later, a few pains later, a few, you know, whatever later, we somehow ended up with the goal of just hanging on. And maybe, like Mike, is feeling a little out of control. You may not be in that season now, but I bet you've either been in that season or will be in that season in the future. And I got good news. Just like my friend Mike, he didn't have to do that. That whole thing could have been avoided if we were a little smarter. I got good news for you. I'm not going to promise you that your life will never be busy, but I will say you don't have to go on that ride that is just constantly out of control. All right, so you can actually take an exit plan onto God's purpose and it just not just go from busyness to busyness. And so I actually believe that you can be extremely busy and not have a purpose. And I actually find that sometimes the busier I am, it's because I'm actually being lazy around my purpose. C.S. Lewis, uh, I don't have the actual quote, but C.S. Lewis says something like, busy people are lazy people. 
that, that offended me the first time I heard that because he's talking to me. And this is actually a sermon for me, by the way. So I'm just, I made this whole thing for me. Uh, so I'm joining, I'm preaching to myself here today. The reason why he said that is because to live with a purpose, you can't say yes to everything. To live with a purpose, you've got to hone in around the main things that God says. And we're going to talk about that today. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Now, this is the Sermon in the Mount. This is the first kind of recorded big sermon that we have of Jesus that goes from Matthew chapter 5 to Matthew chapter 7. The big idea of this sermon is Jesus is showing us the kingdom of God lifestyle 101. The book of Matthew is a gospel. It's the first book in the New Testament. And Jesus is telling us here, this is the 101 of what it looks like to be a Jesus follower. And what he was doing, he was flipping the idea of what following and believing God looked like for many of the religious leaders on his head. And so we're going to read the first big segment here. We're going to pause and we're going to read the last uh, two or three verses here for the second half of the message. So we're going to go through the bulk of it here to start with, starting at verse 25 of Matthew chapter 6. He says there, this, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you'll drink, about your body or what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? The Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. We're going to pause here. We'll pick it up back again in verse 33 in a second. But this segment here explains why we become busy people. Why we become busy people often without meaningful purpose in our life. And the first idea I want us to get from this passage is that we have a tendency to prioritize things in our life that don't matter. Now, I know I'm not just preaching to myself today. We have a tendency to prioritize things in our life that don't matter. Now, listen, I get it because I'm preaching to myself. Like I said, we have got jobs to work We've got meaningful relationships to be in. We've got families to care for. We've got life groups to go to, plug for the life group, launch, equipping, community, life group, whatever we're calling that thing. Uh, plug to that. <laughs> community life group launch. 
There we go. We got life groups to go to. We got kitchens to clean. We've got clothes to wash. We've got more clothes to buy than we've got more clothes to wash. We've got other stuff to buy. We've got news to keep up with. We've got TV series to watch sometimes too much. We've got social media to catch up on. We've got food to eat. We've got foodie food to eat. We've got cool food to eat. Then we've got an Instagram about that food. And we've got hobbies to have, right? There is stuff to do. I get it. But what we prioritize in our life is inevitably what our life becomes about. Let me say it again. What we prioritize is what our life inevitably becomes about. You see here, Jesus' exhortation appeals to our logic and our reason. He says, is not life? More than food is not the body more than clothing. He's trying to get our attention and shake us a little bit. He's saying, is not your life more than what you're making it about? Because what we prioritize becomes what our life starts to become about. And you might say, I know that. I, I, you know, my main goal in life is not food and to eat the finest of food and Instagram. But that's not my primary goal in life. My primary goal in life is not about being well clothed, although I like to look nice, but my primary goal in life is not that. This isn't really speaking to me, right? But if we're honest, there's often a gap between what we say we value and what we actually value. Because all of us, or at least most of us, would probably say, God is number one in my life, right? We say, God is number one, and my marriage, if your marriage is number two, or, or maybe if I'm single, you know, a meaningful relationships and calling number, number two. And, you know, we, we'd, we'd say, you know, it's like the Jesus answer. Of course, this is what I value. But there's often a gap between what we say we value and what we actually value. If you want to know what you value, ask the people that live with you, <laughs> right? So as a pastor, I don't say, what do you value the most? If I really want to know, I can talk to a spouse, which I don't do that behind your backs, by the way. <laughs> I don't do that. But if I really want to know, I could talk to a spouse or to a roommate and say, what does this person actually value? Because what we spend our time to inevitably becomes what we value. Y'all track with me? Okay, so what we spend time is often what we value the most. Now, if you're like me, I can have a tendency to say, but I'm too busy for what matters. The but, you know, but, 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 I'm too busy. So I want to look at a few statistics. Now, I know this isn't speaking about any of us, hopefully. I promise I'm not writing this with anyone in mind. But I was looking at these statistics. It says this, the average person spends 706 hours per year on social media. 706 hours a year. So, by the way, that is four and a half months of full-time work. That's over a third of a year of a full-time job just on social media. That's, it's probably even higher. The scary thing about this is this is average. So that means there's people who are like way on the other side bringing this number over. That's just social media. Let's talk about television. Television. I saw that the average person watches about a 
141 hours of TV per month, which becomes 1,692 hours per, per year of television. Now, uh, again, hopefully this, this, none of us, and let the Spirit of God speak if we're, if we're in those numbers. Uh, if you want to know, by the way, there's a great thing in your phone. You can see what you spend your time doing in your phone. There's been some times I've opened that thing up and the Holy Spirit started speaking to me. Not because Apple has a direct connection to the Holy Spirit, but Apple can tell me what I spend my time on my phone. So uh, now we don't wake up saying, today I want to waste my time. It's going to be a great day. I'm not going to get done my main priorities. I'm not going to waste my time. You don't go about your life and you're, you're praying. You know, we do that Selah service thing and we kind of reflect in the last year and seek God for the next year. I bet none of you made a goal for 2023 and said, I'm going to really decrease the amount of time I spend on what matters and I'm going to just, my theme of the year is binge watching shows. That's just my theme. I bet none of us came and said that, you see. Um, <coughs> none of us said, the theme of my year is going to be overspending. I'm going to really prioritize my life around over, overspending. Or, or uh, you know, I'm going to choose this year to have a life of unrestrained, disordered desires. <coughs> right? So, so why do we end up doing things that are contrary to our value? Why do we spend our time doing that? I think this passage speaks directly to it. In verse 25, he starts by saying, do not be anxious about your life. Do not be anxious about what you'll eat, what you'll drink, about your body. Then again in verse 27, he speaks about being anxious and then he challenges them again on what will you worry, O oh, you of little faith. You see, fears and anxieties in our life empower disordered desires in our heart that become patterns of living that we regret. Fears and anxieties that are unchecked and undealt with in our heart empower disordered desires that become patterns of behavior that are either sinful or the good that robs us of the best. <clears throat> you see, um, to understand the choices we make, we need to ask the question, why do I do that, right? So oftentimes someone's fighting sin, I'm trying to coach them, and their first strategy is, I'm just going to try harder not to sin, and this is going to be my week, I don't sin. I just, hey, so, so why do you think you keep going back to that? Why do you think you keep binge-watching that thing? What is going on in your heart that's leading to that behavior? We've got to ask, what is driving me, right? It is possible to be compelled by the Spirit, compelled by love, and compelled by faith and courage into the promises of God. And it's also possible to be, to be driven and feel out of control by our anxieties, by fears, by sin, by isolation, by prioritizing things we don't want to prioritize. Um, because where there is disorder in our life, there's often fear and anxiety behind it. <clears throat> so just a few fears that could be driving us if we're to kind of go down to the tip of the, or the bottom of the iceberg down there. It could be a fear of lack and provision. <clears throat> well, if, if I don't do this and this and this, then 
<laughs> then, then this won't happen. Then we won't have food on the table. Then, then I'm gonna, and on a bad day, I might think I'm going to become homeless. And none of the, you know, or a fear of rejection. Well, I've always just kept people in my life happy around me, and, 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 and I, I can't because that would hurt this person. That would disappoint this person. It would disappoint this family member or maybe the fear of disapproval of others. Man, we don't realize it so often. We, we've got a reputation to maintain even in the church or fear of failure and insignificance. Well, and, and this is me, by the way. I, I, a number of years ago, I just was finding myself, it was like I was running in this treadmill that kept speeding up, and it was like to the detriment of my health and detriment of my well-being. And finally, I caught, got down to it, and I realized I had this picture in my head of what I thought success looked like. That wasn't from the Lord. It was a mix of Jesus, uh, Bible, and cultural stuff, and kind of all kinds of brokenness. And I just felt like the older I got, the harder I had to run to get there, because I was running out of time. And it felt good to get off that treadmill, by the way. Maybe it's the fear of being wrong. Maybe it's the fear of being out of control. Maybe it's a fear of being useless in your relationships. Well, I've got I've to be there, and I've got to do this, and I've got to show up, and I've got to be ready to help, because if I don't help, and I don't have any, what value am I to this relationship, or what this group, or whatever? And what happens when these fears are undisciplined and unchecked in our life, we just start running on a treadmill. For some of us, it's, it's running from things. We're running from rejection. We're running from abuse. or running from uh, someone something said years ago. Or running from something our father didn't approve of us or didn't say he's proud of us or didn't say he loved us years ago. We're running, we're running from that or we're running from pain. Or we're running to something. Without, we're running to success or running to image or fame or running to food or fillers or social media or shallow relationships or compulsive working. And what ends up happening is we chase a life without cognitively processing it or thinking about it, that even when we get it, it leaves us empty and feels like the treadmill actually keeps speeding up when we get the very thing we thought we wanted and needed when we get the approval of that person, when we get the job we think we need to have, when we get the income level we think we need to have, when we get that sense of security that we thought we're longing for in the natural realm without trusting God, when we get that thing, <clears throat> often it ends up leaving us even more empty. Now I've got good news for you. <clears throat> you see, the good news of Jesus is for those who are worn out by the rat race. The good news of Jesus is for those who are beaten down by their anxieties and fears. The good news of Jesus is for those who have given in, even habitually, to their disordered desires. The good news of Jesus is for those who have failed by the world's external measures of success. And Jesus says, I've got a place for you that the world said they didn't have. The good news of Jesus is also for those who have pursued at their own detriment the world's pictures of success and found it, but showed up and felt empty when they found it. Jesus said this, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and you will find rest for your souls. 
Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, Jesus gives you a love and a peace in your anxiety that is not a fleeting circumstance or a fleeting feeling or is not someone's opinion of you that can so quickly change. What God gives you is the real thing that can change us from the inside out. And that's the good news of Jesus. No matter how bad you have screwed up, Jesus says, come to me. No matter how tired you are, Jesus says, come to me. Find freedom and find a new life. Find forgiveness of your sins. And some of you today, you need to come to Jesus and find forgiveness, maybe for the first time. Some of you, for the, for the thousandth time, you need to come and find rest for your weary soul again. And you see, the good news of Jesus doesn't just stop by finding peace, but in the yoke of Jesus, we find a new way of living that doesn't destroy us anymore. You know, Jesus' solution to this, and Jesus' solution to the first part of this passage that I read is not, well, don't eat anymore. <laughs> His solution is, well, don't get dressed. Please get dressed, you know? Uh, His solution is, well, don't work and just pray. His solution isn't that. His solution is not that. Let's read verse 34, 30 and 34. He says this. Wrong page. He says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. <clears throat> so he says all this and he says, but you seek first the kingdom of God. He doesn't say, he's not saying when he says don't be anxious, he's not saying never think about food or never think about getting dressed. I think the bigger thing he's saying is let your, con your maybe obsessive concern for the basic needs of life be replaced by a much greater concern for the glory of God and the presence of God in your life, his purposes in your life, and right living in your life. And then you can watch God be faithful to provide the other things as you're faithful to follow him and work hard in that process. So Jesus is saying, he's not saying just stop all of the basic things of life. He's saying I'm going to replace a greater purpose in your life. Now, I was reminded thinking about that of, of counterfeit money, because I just sit around thinking about that all the time, right? No, uh, <clears throat> I was reminded of how counterfeit experts uh, find counterfeit money. They don't just study counterfeit money. They study the real thing. And by studying the real thing, they can quickly spot a counterfeit as they run across it. And that's a great principle to life because, you see, uh, when I coach people to get, oh, get free from sin, a little prerequisite to next week, <clears throat> my counsel is not just stop sinning only, right? Uh, you don't focus. If you obsess about the thing you need to not do, you're going to stay stuck. You need to focus on what you are to do and the greater good, right? 
If you want to stop eating poorly, you don't just focus on what you need to not eat and then just sit around wanting that all day, right? You need to focus on the greater goal and the picture of who you're becoming and what you can eat, right? If you want to learn what to prioritize, you don't just focus on what you can't do anymore and I can't watch the fifth show of the night, you know? I'm just so sad about that, right? You got to focus on a picture of who you're becoming in Jesus and focus on the things that are going to get you there, right? You fill your life with what matters the most. And that is what Jesus is saying here. Fill our lives with what matters the most. Find your purpose instead of just being dragged in busyness. Now, how do you find the purposes of God in your life? Now, I think we often get honestly distracted by this, by this thought that one day some word is going to come out of the sky and tell me the specific purpose of why I'm here and I'm going to know everything I need to do with my life, right? I find that most of life is not some kind of specific word from God to our life. Most of life is doing the general word of God in our life. I've talked about this before, but what are some of the general purposes of God that we see throughout scripture for you in life? I'd have some scripture references on here. I was too busy with my illustration. So it's all in the Bible. You can find it in there. Some general will of God for your life is that you would know God. I would say the primary desire of God for your life is that you would know him. God wants to fill your life with the knowledge of him. Not just some quick rush through thing. God wants to fill you with the knowledge of him. Or to become like Jesus. So often what I perceive is setbacks because I'm like, well, I've got my goals for my life and this is all setting me back from my goals. God, could you clue in, please? Because this is harder than it should be. You got this wrong, God. And then he reminds me that one of his main purposes for my life is to become like him. And that I would rather be a little slower in my goals and come to the end of my life and look more like Jesus than be a jerk and get a lot done, right? Right? God's will for us, Thessalonians says, is our sanctification. To care for those immediately around us. For some of us, that's a spouse, that's kids, that's, that's prioritizing uh, people. For some of us, that's our roommates or key relationships along the way. To demonstrate God's concern for the world. He said to us in the same sermon, that you are the light of the world. Or to go make disciples. We see that at the end of Matthew's. Or to learn to be faithful in the little. Matthew chapter 25. Jesus saying he was faithful in the little. Be ruler over much. Jesus, we often want the big word, the big dream, the big call, the big thing. And Jesus is saying, yeah, I gave you something. How's that going? Right? So the general will of God for our life is really most of you know, what we focus on. And a lot of people want the specific word when they aren't paying much attention to the generals. Now, over the course of time, God will often kind of reveal specifics to you. You'll start to find different niches. People will pray things over you or share things with you or call things up and out of you. They're like, I see this in you. You'll find things that make sense. And your life as you go and get older will start to get honed. Uh, but that is found by kind of prioritizing the purposes of God and the general purposes of God in our life, the seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then God starts to hone in specifics over time. Um, 
So how do, we, how do we do that practically? How in a busy life do we prioritize seeking first the kingdom of God? Because I think some of us still, when we get here, we're like, yeah, that sounds great. I'm working full time and maybe half. I'm, you know, I'm, I've got kids. I've got this. I've got you know, stuff going on. Um, I don't have time for a life group. I don't have time to think outside myself or my immediate family. Um, and again, I want to remind us, so often it's our anxieties, right? You ever open up your phone, it's going slow, and you realize there's like 20 apps going on, and you're like, oh, maybe this is why. It's like tracking all this stuff at the same time. You close some of the apps that you're not even using, and all of a sudden you start to find some peace in your, in your phone. Same thing in life. Uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of things that are outside of control. We try and control, and it makes us anxious. We've talked about that. But there are, you know, there, you might not be able to control people's opinions. You might not, of you, you might not be able to control certain outcomes, but there are a lot of things in your life you can control. Because ultimately, we have time for what we choose to have time for. Let me say it again. We ultimately, in our life, we have time to choose. We have time for what we choose to have time Four. Again, there are outliers, there are things outside our control, but there are more things in our control than we often realize. We have time for the things we choose to have time for in our life. The solution is not often to have more time. Everyone has got the same amount of time in a day, including Elon Musk all the way down to a kid, right? We've got the same amount of time in a day. The solution is to have more of what matters the most. And to start there. The reason many of us don't have time for what matters the most is we're mindlessly spending time on things that don't matter first. And so back to verse 33, Jesus said this. It's a very practical solution he's giving. He says, seek first. He's saying reverse the order of things in your life if you're not getting to what is most important and the good is robbing the best, or even the bad is robbing the best, reverse, try reversing the order. It's a very practical, Jesus is practical. He's like, hey, try casting the net on the other side. Boom, a harvest. He's very practical. He said, actually, just a real practical thing here as you plan your week, as you plan your year, as you plan your goals, just, just reverse the order, you know, and put the first things first. Now, I've got a little illustration uh, to, to help us understand this. All right, so um, I've got big rocks, which are actually sweet potatoes. <laughs> I've got smaller rocks, you know, so, so the big rocks, these are the most important things in our life, right? These are, these are the, our relationship with God. This is the well-being of our soul. This is the well-being of our home, our home life, our immediate relationships, our spouse, our kids, or maybe even our roommates. How are we doing in our home, right? <clears throat> These are a few deep, meaningful friendships that are shaping our lives or relationships that are shaping our lives. These, <clears throat> uh, these smaller rocks, I'm going to actually, some of you might uh, not agree with me, I'm going to actually put work in this category. I think there's a good argument to put it here as well because it is part of our calling oftentimes. But I put it here often because we, we, we say work is so important that we end up robbing all of these things. So I'm putting it here 
so you can be offended by that. Uh, <coughs> uh, this is our hobbies. This is the rest of our friendships, a handful of things, etc. And this is the fillers, right? This is the TV. This is the social media we got to catch up on. This is the news we need to watch and be offended by uh, and all that. So, um, okay. So there's two ways to go uh, about this, uh, this process. So one is we can start by putting in the fillers. Now, I hope this goes well because I could not find dry sand even indoors in sealed bags for the life of me. So let's start by saying I'm going to fill my time. I got social media to catch up on. This is, I just got to relax, bro. I've got to chill out. You, you got to understand my life is busy. I've got shows to watch. I don't want to get behind, you know. So I got stuff to do. Oh, I'm feeling a little more relaxed now. I've got a couple hours of social media under my belt for the day. No, I'm being dramatic, but <clears throat> all right. Oh, I, I got to go to work. I got to catch up with some friends. Got to do, you know, stuff. I should probably spend some time with God. All right. Oh, good. I got some time there. Um, maybe I'll go to church. Starting to get a little hairy there. Starting to feel really stressed here about life group. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I don't have time for some of the things that are most important to me. All right. So we're a little out of time and space there. There's, what we're not having time here for is the most important things. Now, let's start with the most important things. We've got... Okay, I'm going to get my time with God in there. I'm going to make sure I'm, I'm leading my family well or caring for the relationships that are most important to me. I'm going to, um, you know, invest in a, in a church community, right, and just a few people that are going to walk with me in life. And, uh, you know, we're going to put the most important things. All right, going to go to work. Got to do um, some friendships. And I'm going to get refreshed this weekend and some hobbies that are meaningful to me and refresh my soul. Oh, I've got a little time. Let's catch up on the news. Did all the most important things, right? Uh, come on, y'all. Oh, look at that. Look, I'm not over the top. I actually got some space here, and I even got to catch up to see who, what everyone ate for lunch yesterday on social media. <laughs> Would you look at how God did that? So, I think you get the point, right? I know this is oversimplified, but according to Jesus, what we put first in our lives matters. What we put first in our lives matters. The question for some of us in our scheduling this year is not, am I doing anything when a need arises? The question is, is it wise? It's not, oh, I got time. <laughs> it's, is it bringing me closer to my purpose? Is it bringing me closer to Jesus and the things that are most important that he's given me a responsibility for in my life? Is it moving me towards a life that when I stand before God at the end of my life, I'm going to say, it wasn't perfect, but I, I, I did my best to prioritize and obey you. That's the question we want to ask when needs and opportunities and people with issues and, and all that come to you. You say, 
Is it moving me closer to my purpose in life in this year? And according to Jesus, we want to seek first and put in first the things that are most important to us. For some of us, that looks like we need to throw some things overboard <laughs> this year uh, and get rid of some things. For some of us, that looks like we got to surrender control. For some of us, it looks like we need some accountability in our life. Some people that are going to lovingly not shame you, but they're going to lovingly say, hey man, uh, you told me that this was the biggest deal for you this year. How's that going and how can I support you? And if you need to make a change, how can I help you make that change? We need some people we can be vulnerable with because none of us are going to do that journey perfectly, including myself. I love that even as a pastor, I can get real in my life group with some of y'all. Thank you for letting me be vulnerable with you. We all need that. We all need people in our lives. We're going to talk about this in a couple weeks that can help us walk this journey. Life group's a great place for that. So a few questions as we end. What are you seeking first? Band want to come up. Thank you. What, are you. what are you seeking first? And again, for some of us, maybe this is an honest look at our calendar or an honest look at our, at our phone that uh, tells us some things. Second question, maybe think about why do we do the things we do? What's driving you? For me, maybe it's an inner sense of feeling behind. Also, man, I got in this job because I love people. I don't like to disappoint people, but I'm learning. Sometimes I have to disappoint people. So me, that's another one. I don't know what it is for you, but I do know that if you know what's driving you and kind of the, the shadow side or the, the broken side of that, you're going to start to have way more self-control and master leading yourself a lot better. Then are there any reprioritizations that need to happen? And if so, what are the main one or two? I'm not talking five, because you probably won't do that. What is the main one or two? We're going to give you just a minute here, and then we're going to take um, some time to respond, and we'll wrap it up here by 1130. So, Father, we just pray as we sit with this. Lord, we don't just want to say, oh, good message. We want to be doers of the word. We want to do what you said when you said, seek first the kingdom of God such a foundational exhortation. Lord, show us what's going on in our hearts. Show us what's going on in our world. 